0: It's Saturday the 28th of October, I'm Kira Evans and this was a week that saw civilian casualties mounting Gaza, more questions over HS2 costs, Donald Trump in all kinds of trouble and Britney spilling the tea on Justin. Grab a cup of something hot, put up your feet and get up to speed on the seven biggest stories of the week. This is the standout 7 from the Smart 7. It's news, but not the news. There was growing concern this week for the fate of civilians in Gaza as Israel continued its assault on Hamas and the casualty count continued to grow. The weekend saw protests across the world, including in London, as over 100,000 people marched in support of Palestine on Saturday. It follows the second week of Israeli retaliation against the Hamas attacks and Palestinian Prime Minister Mohamed Shatea feared that history is repeating itself. Palestinians in 1948 were pushed out of their homes. Now, for Israel... To push again is something that has been designed to end the question of the Palestinian right to return. This week saw two hostages released on what Hamas called humanitarian grounds, and negotiations continue for the release of up to 50 more of the estimated 200-plus hostages still held. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak addressed Parliament on Monday and revealed findings from British intelligence on the explosion at the Al-Ali hospital in Gaza. On the basis of the deep knowledge and analysis of our intelligence and weapons experts... The British government judges that the explosion was likely caused by a missile or part of one that was launched from within Gaza towards Israel. After the weekend protest, Home Secretary Swala Braverman met with Met Police Chief Sir Mark Rowley to ensure that pro-Gaza protests don't become pro-Hamas protests, but he said the police have a firm grip on the situation. We are absolutely ruthless in tackling anybody who puts their foot over the legal line. We can't enforce taste or decency, but we can enforce the law. The UN Security Council met on Tuesday to discuss the conflict and UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres was warning that there's a significant risk that the conflict will spill over into the wider region and he called for a ceasefire to allow more aid into Gaza. He also said that he recognised the horror of the Hamas attacks but that the appalling attacks cannot justify the collective punishment of the Palestinian people. That remark sparked calls for his resignation from Israel. US Secretary of State Anthony Blinken was focused on the hostages still held by Hamas and calling for their immediate release. We're grateful to Qatar, to Egypt, for helping secure the release of four of Hamas' hostages. But at least 200 more are still in the grip of Hamas. In the House of Commons, Labour MP Imran Hussein was calling for the government to speak up as the civilian debt toll mounts. This is now beyond a humanitarian catastrophe. The innocent blood continues to be spilled on the streets of Gaza. How many thousands of innocent Palestinians must be slaughtered before this government condemns this brutality and? Bloodshed! As international pressure mounts Israeli Defence Forces spokesman Lieutenant Colonel Peter Lerner told Kay Burley he does have sympathy for civilians caught in the middle. This is a tragedy on both sides of the fence and my heart weeps for all of the civilians that are caught up in this. I hope that the people of Gaza will have the peace that they deserve just as the people of Israel deserve. By Friday, the Gaza Health Authority was saying the debt toll from Israeli strikes had exceeded 7,000 people. It came as Israel mounted a raid with tanks and bulldozers in the northern part of Gaza on Thursday, targeting Hamas and what could be a sign of things to come. The IDF also claimed to have killed the deputy head of Hamas intelligence in an airstrike. EU leaders have called for humanitarian pauses to allow aid to flow into Gaza. And Alison Griffin, Save the Children's Head of Conflict and Humanitarian Campaign, was warning that hundreds of children may be trapped in She too was calling for a stop to the violence to allow rescue workers to access Gaza. Save the Children is calling for an urgent, immediate humanitarian ceasefire and unfettered humanitarian access. If Ritchie hoped by simply cancelling the whole HS2 rail project the mess would go away, he was definitely wrong. In fact, the Sunday Times has been busy investigating the HS2 project for over three months with testimony from whistleblowers and access to secret files. They say that the project has been in trouble since 2019 and that staff members who raised concern about cost overruns were sacked. Transport Secretary Mark Harper says that the issues with the project were the reason why it got cancelled. The fundamental point with the project is that the costs have increased significantly, the benefits are reduced, and that's why we've taken the decision to cancel the second phase of HS2 and invest in transport projects across the country, which will benefit people more quickly. The HS2's own internal fraud department is now investigating allegations that cost overruns were covered up and Labour's Dame Meg Hilliard, the chair of the Public Accounts Committee, says big infrastructure projects are hard to manage. There are a lot of problems with this project which plague big projects that we look at all the time. Over-optimism often at the beginning, then optimism bias creeps in and no-one wants to give the bad news. And you've also um, got issues here around governance. We had a lot of changes of political leadership in this period of time. If you change projects along the way you're going to have more costs. The pressure continued on Thursday as Transport Secretary Mark Harper appeared in the Commons to face questions from opposition MPs, including Labour's Stephen Morgan. With stories about the project running over budget and whistleblowers being fired for querying spending, he wanted to know why nobody had reported any of the issues to Parliament. Failure to do so would be a clear breach of the ministerial code, but Mark wasn't exactly taking the blame for the lack of reporting. I was not in the government at the time. I'm sure all of my ministerial colleagues, both past present are very well aware of their responsibilities under the Ministerial Code and I'm sure they gave truthful answers to Parliament uh, at the time. The government is currently spending about £8 million per day on 400 hotels to house asylum seekers. That's because the backlog in asylum applications is at a record high. But there was good news on Tuesday, according to Immigration Minister Robert Jenrick. He says the new agreements with France and Albania, along with stricter penalties for those involved in illegal migration, will lead to a drop in the need for hotel space. In fact, the minister says the cancellation of hotel contracts have already begun. As a result of the progress we've made to stop the boats, I can inform the House that today the Home Office wrote to local authorities and MPs to inform them that we will now be exiting the first asylum hotels. Hotels in all four nations of the UK. Labour's shadow immigration minister Stephen Kennock was unimpressed, pointing out that the cancellations only amount to 12% of the total bookings, and he had an intriguing question for the minister. Is that really the ambition? That there will still be 350 asylum hotels in use at the end of the winter? Is it really true that the hotels he's considering closing will be in marginal constituencies? Does he really think the public might not see through that ruse? The U.S. House of Representatives has been paralysed for weeks as Republicans fought amongst themselves over who should be the next speaker. It came after Kevin McCarthy was ousted by a hardcore far-right group of MAGA Republicans. However, despite their best efforts, they were unable to get their leader Jim Jordan elected to the position. But Donald Trump's buddy Jim was putting a brave face on the failure and said he'll get behind the successful candidate. I appreciated getting to work with everyone and that we, uh, we, we need to come together and figure out who our speaker is going to be going to work as hard as I can to help that individual so that we can go help the American people. Tuesday saw another failed attempt as Tom Emmer, the number three Republican in the House, was briefly the nominee for Speaker, but almost immediately had to withdraw as MAGA Republicans and Donald Trump spoke out against him. Republicans then nominated Louisiana's Mike Johnson, who is a Conservative Christian and a prominent 2020 election denier, and has Donald Trump's full support. He managed to gather enough votes and became the new Speaker on Wednesday. And his first act was to call for thoughts and prayers as America reeled from its latest mass shooting in Maine that saw 18 people killed. This is a dark time in America. We have a, a, a lot of problems and we're really, really hopeful and prayerful. Prayer is appropriate in a time like this that the evil can end and this senseless violence can stop. Former U.S. President Donald Trump spent the week in court in New York for his civil fraud trial where his former lawyer and fixer Michael Cohen testified that he'd inflated Trump's assets on instructions from Donald himself. Trump also managed to annoy the judge in the case with comments outside the court which got him an immediate $10,000 fine for breaching a gag order. Things weren't going any better in Georgia where former Trump lawyer and election denier Jenna Ellis became the fourth defendant to plead guilty in the racketeering and election fraud case. Like all the other guilty parties, she has now agreed to testify against her fellow defendants and tearfully address the court. I believe in and I value election integrity. If I knew then what I know now, I would have declined to represent Donald Trump in these post-election challenges. I look back on this whole experience with deep remorse. And to really put the icing on the cake, it emerged that on Wednesday, his former Chief of Staff during the whole of the 2020 election period, Mark Meadows, has taken an immunity deal and is fully cooperating with Special Counsel Jack Smith in the January 6th investigation. Former New Jersey Governor and fellow Republican presidential candidate, Chris Christie, summed up what that means. You do not give immunity, complete immunity, to the former White House Chief of Staff unless he's got information that is devastating and that you couldn't get any other way. Donald Trump is in huge trouble. Still to come on The Standout 7, Rishi celebrates a birthday and Britney spills the tea on Justin Timberlake. Right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass." It was Rishi Sunak's birthday on Wednesday, not his actual birthday, that's in May, but his one-year anniversary of becoming Prime Minister. One year might not seem like much, but it's actually seven and a half, Liz trusses. He celebrated with a high-speed social video listing off a lot of his accomplishments, but Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer wasn't in quite the same celebratory mood. He was busy pointing out just how many by-elections Rishi has lost and had a birthday request of his own. Will he just call a general election and give the British public the chance to respond they've heard the government telling them to F off and they want the chance to return the compliment Inaction Man wasn't prepared to take that however hitting back with his list of big decisions Politicians like him always take the easy way out Mr Speaker whereas we're we're getting on making the right long term decisions to change this country for the better contrast that to his leadership too cautious to say anything and hope that nobody notices Mr Speaker The Five Eyes Intelligence Network may sound like something from a Bond movie, but it's an alliance of intelligence-gathering organisations from the US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand and the UK. The five nations have been working together since World War II to share intelligence and track threats, but they've never spoken about it publicly. That changed this week as the five countries met publicly in Palo Alto, California and had a stark warning about one country in particular. They were sounding the alarm about the risk that China's technological espionage poses. Christopher Ray is the director. director of the FBI. The People's Republic of China represents the defining threat of this generation in this era. There is no country that presents a broader, more comprehensive threat to our ideas, our, our innovation, our economic security, and ultimately our national security. Britney Spears has just released what would probably be the biggest Christmas bestseller. It's not a new version of Let It Snow, it's the first volume of her autobiography, The Woman and Me. Already it's made headlines over her relationship with Justin Timberlake, their decision to have an abortion and a cold-hearted dumping by text. She's having her revenge, though, served ice cold, as she describes how Justin just wasn't cool. Oh, and in case you're wondering, the audiobook is read by Oscar-winning actress Michelle Williams. One day Jay and I were in New York. Walking our way was a guy with a huge, blinged-out medallion. Jay got all excited and said so loud, Oh yeah, fochers, fochers, genuine. What's up, homie? You've been listening to The Smart 7. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am. Hit that follow button and have a great day. Give us seven minutes and we'll give you the world.